Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Laurent Barton. Laurent is an author. He's a writer. He's been a TEDx speaker. He calls himself a cultural disruptor. Uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with him. I think you will as well. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Are you ready for some good advice? I am sitting down with my friend, Laurent Barton, who's joining the show today. He is an incredible writer, author, speaker. I've been following some of his content for a little bit now, and I got to say, I am a huge fan. Laurent has quite the story. He has quite the perspective, and I'm excited to bring that to you here today. Laurent, thanks for joining the show. Hey, man. Hey, man, Blake. Thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I'm just I'm always uh, honored and blessed and humbled, you know, when people invite me on onto their podcast. I mean, just you know, on, onto their platform. So, you know, I'm 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 really jazzed about this. Well, I you know, and here's the deal, man, is not <laughs> you know some. I'm sure there's a guest out there who's going to throw a shoe at me, but not all guests are created equal in terms of the value <laughs> on the show. And right. so I know we had to reschedule our first meeting, man. I'm so excited right. that we got it booked a second time because I really have been excited to get you on. I think you're going to be a great no guest. You're going to share some really great insights uh, with our audience. That's today. what's up, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well, yeah, man. Well, I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Cool. Cool. Well, let's, let's talk about, you know, really what your sweet spot is. Cause I, I said that you're a writer, you're an author, you're a speaker, which all those things are true. But I know they're also a bit vague, and so I, I want right. to I want to dive in on what your passion is, what you're excited about, and when you're writing, when you're speaking, you know, what are the things that really drive you? You know, talk, talk to me a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, for for me, um, you know, uh, at 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 my basis, at 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 the um, the the crux of crux of of who who I am, um, I'm a I'm a writer, you know, like everything, like everything flows from the writing. So, mm. you know, like being, being a writer, you know, I, uh, I like to talk about different things. You know, I'm mainly a nonfiction writer. You know, I write a lot of essays. I, I write a lot of op-eds. I, I write journalistic pieces, in, investigative pieces. Mm. And so, you know, my job is to just essentially give people a different perspective and uncover and shine light I shine a light on things that people may not uh, may not know. <clears throat> like you know, um, it's one of those things where when I gosh, I think I was thirty eight, and I and I realized, um, you know, this is uh this is what I was meant to do. I was meant to create content that that you know sort of challenges people that you know really. Um, sort of spurs people to, uh, to ask questions and to really like look at life differently. So. And I, I would say that's true about you. Cause I, you know, so if we can just get real nitty gritty, you know, I, I grew up in a mostly predominantly white background 
And, right. and so part of me, my journey, you know, I became a high school teacher and I was working in the Houston inner city school district, which is less than 1% white. And like my world was flipped in the sense of like my perspective. And so I know, I know you write a lot about race. I know you talk a lot about race. And so I find myself every time I'm watching like one of your videos or reading what you've written, I find myself pausing and thinking really honestly, like, okay, what are the, cause you know, even this conversation of self-awareness, you don't even really realize the biases or the things that you don't, you know, the things that you don't even really think about until someone else. Right. And I don't mean like in a, in a bombastic way when I say like someone exposes a different perspective, but like when someone else says another perspective, I think it's really powerful when that person's like, huh, okay, this is interesting. Right. Yeah. No, like, um, I, I think that that's, uh, I think that that should be one of the responsibilities of a writer is to, is to challenge people is to, uh, is to sort of hold a mirror up to their faces and, and say, you know, Hey, you know, this is, this is where we are. I mean, I, I think not only for writers, but I just think for artists, period. I mean, we, you know, we should strive to do what we can to change the world. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Commerce is great. You know, commerce is what, runs the runs the world but i'm trying to change the world you know what i mean and so i just want you know i'm trying to change the world i, I want to show people that you can come from like different circumstances and you know be uh and create important work work that sort of strikes a chord you know work that really sort of hits on it you know and, and so it's you know for, uh, for me blake it's not about just um doing something that's going to appease the masses. You, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with people doing that, you know, because we all have our own lanes, but it's like, for me personally, I just can't do something to just, to just get hits or to get clicks or to just have something that that's going to be just widely read. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have always, you know, sort of stepped to this from a, a you know, creating, creating substance. And when I've done work like that, I just, I, I never really felt good about myself. So, you know, there was a particular piece where I wrote, it was, uh, I like to refer to it as, you know, my pop song. And I was like, you know, I'm going to write this piece about, you know, white allyship. And it was really simple. You know, it was like, gosh, it wasn't even like a lot of words, but it struck a lot, but it struck a chord with a lot of people. And I was like, well, this is not what I'm really about but people like it. But I, I was talking to a friend. I was like, I just don't think that I'll ever write anything like that again, because it, it, it didn't make me feel good. And so I, I think that another thing about being a writer, being, being an artist is that you have to be true to yourself. And when you're true to yourself, you know, it really shines through. So was it, was it like the attention that you didn't like, or was it, did you feel like you had kind of, um, uh, it, it's probably too harsh a statement to say like you sacrificed your values, anything like that. You know, I, I, I know you're not I, saying you, you wrote anything like immoral or like unethical. I just, no, no, no. I'm trying to hone in not on like, what was it that made you feel like, Oosh, I don't know if I really want to do that again. I wrote, I wrote something specifically for it to be popular. Okay. And yeah, you know, and, and it's, it's just like, you know, like, like, again, like whatever compare myself to, uh, to Dylan, but let's say Bob Dylan, tried to write something like pink and it became really popular. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, Bob, Bob Dylan is this deep writer, but it's like, he's writing a pop song. And I just, you know, I just would never do that again. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just, it just didn't make me feel good inside. So, mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of like the journey of, um, 
you know, not even just entrepreneurship, but you're kind of, you're in some ways you're kind of finding it's, it's like you're, you're finding kind of who you are as a person through how right. you feel after you do things. It's like, uh, and it's, it's not things like even like, and I don't even mean things that are like super unethical. Like you make a sleazy sale and it's like, oh, I didn't feel good about that. But like even things that speak to like who you are and like, you know, what you really believe in and like your perspective, I think that's, I think that's a journey that everyone really, if they give themselves the time, will go on at some point. Right. Exactly. No, like I, I totally agree. Now, you know, looking at, and specifically when you're writing, is this, is this like a pretty lengthy creative process or does this, you know, do the words kind of just flow, flow out of you? No. Um, so, you know, sometimes I'll, be I'll be I'll be inspired by something that'll happen, something that I'll see, just something like and like an idea that will that will hit me, and then I'll just immediately just you know start writing out a quote unquote ride the wave. But some but sometimes you know pieces take a while to uh to sort of create, you know, because I mean, you know, when you're it's like you can be writing about one thing, but then it sort of takes you around to this journey to another thing. And the piece comes out differently. It comes out better. You know, you may look at it and be like, hey, you know, I really didn't want to arrive at this standpoint. And so, it, you know, it, 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 it takes, I mean, like, I, I would like to say quality takes time, you know, mm -hmm. and, and for me, honestly, like, some of my best ideas come from just me walking around. Like, you know, I, mm -hmm. I love to take walks. Like, so, you know, when I'm taking walks or, you know, and I've got my, I've got my headphones on and I'm blaring music and it's just an, an idea will come. So what I'll, so what I'll do is like, I'll grab uh, the uh, notes app on my phone and I'll just start jotting down, uh, you know, ideas like, and you know, and that's the thing that like the notes app for me is one of the most valuable things that I have because there's so many ideas that I used to have like, and I didn't write them down and mm -hmm. I would forget them. And, right. you know, we would like to think that, you know, our, our, our memory is good, but life, we have so many things going, going on in it. So it's like, you know, we're, you know, we're bound to forget things. And so I said, look, I'm, I'm not going to forget anything. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to write it out. You know, like I'm, I'm 41 years, years old. Like I would like to think that my memory is like an elephant, but it's, but it's not, <laughs> you know? So, so I'm, you know, you know, write it. Uh, yeah. I mean, do write it down, <laughs> write, <laughs> write this stuff down because it could be a great, great idea you lost it and you know you probably won't get it back well so you said you know you, you're writing for change really i mean you're writing not for clicks but for people to take it get a new perspective ideally apply it and be different what what's you know what's the one thing you've written that you are most proud of man there's uh there's been a couple um just off the top of my head um I wrote a piece last year about uh, sexual assault of young black boys. And this piece was just, it sort of highlighted how, you know, uh, how uh, older women may have sex with these younger boys and how it's not looked at as molestation or a sexual assault and how that can sometimes, well, how that many times can, can ruin a young, a young man. So mm. I've, I wrote that. Um, I wrote a piece called uh, called Musing on Survival, which was about just the um, 
the difficulty of young men, you know, of any race or color, whatever, coming from, you know, harsh circumstances, coming from, you know, the ghetto, from the hood, from just like, like mm-hmm. poverty, staying, you know, like the difficulty of staying out of prison. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, it's things, you know, it's, uh, it's things like that. I mean, I, I mean just, you know, pieces that really make people, make people think. So, you know, this is, a. Uh, you know, those are uh, those are a couple of, of the ones that I'm that I'm I'm really proud of, and I'm definitely um, gonna gonna be writing deeper deeper stories. You know, mm-hmm. I I wrote a really cool story last year about um, food deserts, which is something that um, I wanted to talk to talk about. For those who don't know uh, what food uh, what what food deserts are, is that um, when when you live in it when you live in an area of poverty and when there's not a lot of nutrition I'm like nutritious food options available mm-hmm. and so you you're you're stuck with a lot of corner store food you know food uh, you know unhealthy food from the bodega just fast mm-hmm. food it's like not a lot of uh, you know health uh, healthy choices so I I thought that piece was really good yeah that reminds me of um I remember when I was a high school teacher uh, we watched some video so I taught a uh, one of the classes I taught had like a, uh, uh, man, I can't even think of the word. Um, I, I can't think of the word. It's like when you're taking care of the environment, um, right. ecology, ecology class. And, sure. uh, obviously I wasn't a very good teacher cause I can't even remember the terms of it. Uh, but, uh, one of the things we were talking about was, um, food ex- excess, uh, accessibility and how, you know, buying the actual like nutritional good food, you're going to be paying like, two to three dollars more per item compared to right. well, a family in poverty, it, it sure is a lot easier to pay for. And there was, I remember there was like a picture that I had of like prices of objects and it was like, you could pay 99 cents for this mega size bag or you could pay right. you know, like the $4 for half the size. And so, you know, it's, it's really kind of a no brainer for a family in poverty, but it doesn't, then again, it doesn't do much for nutrition and development and things like that. Absolutely, man. I mean, you know, um, it's healthy food costs a lot, you know, organic food costs a lot. I wrote a post, uh, last week about, um, fat shaming and, you know, the, uh, the rapper Lizzo being, being attacked. And one of the things that I, that I, that I wrote it is that when we talk about poverty and obesity, we, we have to look at food, food choices. Hmm. You you know, and, and there's there's a reason why, you know, the the wealthy can stay alive, you know, longer, you know, which is which throw out. And it's because of things such as they're able to buy high qual- higher quality food, I'm sorry, as well as uh, as well as being able to uh go to the gym. Because I mean the the gym costs money, you know, fitness right. costs money. So I mean, you know, a lot of times you can't run and run and jog in anywhere so i mean if there's 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 so many little you know uh sort of facets to being being healthy you know well i had someone explain it to me as um like something as simple as going to the dentist you know if someone can't afford to go to the dentist they're more likely to develop cavities and they especially can't pay, they can't pay for the cavities to get filled so like their dental health is declining and it's like these it's like these things compound on themselves to make it even more and more and more expensive, which directly relates to quality of life and longevity of life. Absolutely, and, um, It's pretty incredible to think about. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you know, when you were talking about, you know, uh, going, going to the dentist, going to the dentist in, in cavities, you know, one of the biggest debates that we have is, I'm sorry, in this country is health care. And, you know, many people can't afford insurance. Many people can't afford to go to the doctor. So, you know, as you know, at, as you said, Blake, it compounds and it, and it compounds. I mean, I was talking with a, uh, talking with, with, with a friend of mine, uh, Dominique, and we were talking about how healthcare and, and how hospital bills can, uh, can bankrupt somebody. Mm. And it, it's, it's, it's incredible how expensive it is to be healthy in this country. Mm. So, so, you know, you're talking about these topics that, um, you know, in our country, people are so, it feels like people are so standoffish to new perspectives and there's so much quick assigning to, so like, here's, here's a great way to think of it. You know, we can't have the conversation on free healthcare without someone immediately being offended and yelling, well, you're just a socialist. And, and, and it goes both ways. No, it's, right. it's, not, it's not just, you know, one way or the other, but there's so much, you know, sort of like side assigning and like whose side are you on? Like, and, and just hearing the few articles you mentioned, like all of those things to me are really intriguing. And okay, I want to know more about that. But I also know the, the temperament of our country currently. Do you find right. it hard to, to write any of these content where people aren't um, immediately feeling the need to uh, diminish what you're saying or who feel like on guard or, I mean, what does that, what does that look like for you, especially in today's political climate? Well, I know. So, you know, if you've read any, any, any of my stuff, you, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm not necessarily a, a leftist, but I take a certain point of view. You know, I, I look at racism as very, as being very, very systemic. You know, I, you know, I, I, I talk about uh, things such as, um, gosh, a term that I learned, environmental racism. I talk, I talk about how discriminatory tech is. Um, I talk about um, why black boys cannot be victims. I'm sorry, are, are not looked at as, as victims. And so Blake, when you take these stances, you know, off tops that you know you're you know you're not going to be received well. Look, I could take a more moderate approach, a more centrist a, a approach, if you will, on on these subjects. But I would not be, be but I would not be, be be true to myself. And so when you take these approaches, you know you you know you get nasty grams, right? You get mm-hmm. people calling you racial slurs. You know you know you get people comments attacking you. I mean that's just you know that's just what it is. I mean you have to know that when you, when you are writing something that could be considered, um, very incendiary, if I, if I use the word correctly, then not everybody's going to like that. And if you can't take it, and look, not everyone can take this. I mean, I look, man, I get attacked all the time and you know, it's, it started out to be tough, but you know, my lady once told me, stop reading the comments. <laughs> what, you know, like, and that's such a, uh, such a simple thing to, uh, to tell me, but what it did was that it sort of alleviated a lot of the stress that I, that I had. So I, I just, yeah, man, you know, I just, I just kind of stopped reading the comments. Mm. And so, but, um, I, I do under, understand that, 
Blake, some of the positions that I that I take, my pieces will not be read as widely as say someone who's you know kumbaya. And I think everyone has a place. You know, I, I I'm at the point now where I don't deride people for how they for how they communicate uh, their uh, their positions. It's just that if it's not for me, it's it's not for me. But you know, everyone has has a place. Everyone has a right to say what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, and it's it's. I think sometimes it's hard for people to understand that what <clears throat> what is the norm for them is not the norm for someone else, and and because it's exactly. not because it's not the norm for someone else, it's, it's not their fault. And it's kind of like so. Here's a great way to think of it. My buddy was telling me about how it's really obnoxious how anytime he's ever gotten pulled over, he gets asked, is this your car? And he was like, right. yes, this is my car. And I was listening to the story and I was like, I've never been asked that question. And he was like, exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I was, I was, we were kind of laughing about it, but I was like, it's like, man. And he was saying he, he gets frustrated because someone will say, well, you know, how are you driving? Like, what were you? And it's like, come on, man. Like, really? Like you know, how often do you have to think about like these 12 different things when you're driving? And so for me, oh. what, the, what that does for me is I just think like, man, there's so many things that I am oblivious to that, you know, to get exposed to another perspective. And this is just my perspective to get exposed to a different perspective. For me, that's an opportunity to grow as a person and realize, oh my gosh, there are different things happening here how do we really get a handle on this rather than, and well, you know, (laughs) if something's different for you, it's your fault. You know, it's your choices. It's, you know, what have you. Laurent, you still with me? Sorry. Yeah. Um, your friend that, um, that, that was talking, that was talking about that. Is he white? Is he black? He's black. Yeah. He's black. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so here's the deal like that. That is a, that is part of the course. Right. I'm, I'm, I mean, things like that, like that's, there's a term that, or sorry, there's a term that, that I, that I learned recently that I, I like to apply to everything. It's like, that's just the cost of black. That's something that a political commentator, Yvette Cornell said. Yeah. So yeah. that just, it comes, it, it comes with it. It's, it's, it's not fair, but life isn't fair, man. I mean, this is, you know, this is what happens. I mean, this is, you're going to, so I, one one thing that that I've that that I've done, Blake, is that I I tell every black person, I'm like, look, this, uh, look, we live in a system of racism, white supremacy, where these things are bound to happen. So try not to get surprised when they when they when they do happen. It's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, well, you know, um, I live in a system of racism. Duh, this is going to happen. You you know, I mean, it's it's. It's inevitable. I mean, as uh, as sad as that as sad as that sounds, I mean, it you know, it shouldn't happen. Like I shouldn't have to. Uh, like years ago, I was mentoring a young a young man, uh, young black man. He's about thirteen, fourteen years years old, and we had the talk. And I told him, I was like, listen, these are a couple of things that you're going to have to do to survive. And you you know, it, it was very it was, it was very sad for me to for 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 me to tell him that, but. You know, I would rather have him go into the world and be overprepared than be underprepared. Right, right. Uh, is there, is there, uh, and I'm trying to think like how to ask this question. Like, is it, is, is there a line somewhere, like a boundary somewhere where, 
and I don't want to say like, so here's, here's where I'm getting at is I saw a video, sure. saw a video a couple, a few days ago and there was a, um, a university where a, I guess it was a multicultural center and a young woman was filmed doing an announcement for everybody in the center saying, uh, attention, there's, there's too many white people. This is our place. This is not your place. We need less white people to be here. Um, you know, please go somewhere else. And right. And seeing that video, I can't help but feel okay. It feels like we've kind of missed, we've kind of missed it a little bit where, you know, is, is there not like a, a, and I don't even know how to, what I'm even really asking, man, other than like, it feels like these conversations are so vital. But then it feels like we, we almost, there's this point we get to where it's like, okay, wait, now it's, now it's, now it's weird to me. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm asking other than like a stuff like that. I mean, do you resonate with that or is it, is it, do you see where she's yeah. coming from? I mean, what? Um, help me understand. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No. So I, so I haven't seen the video, so I, I can't really, uh, I, I can't make an accurate comment. I'll just say that, um, that. So, um, gosh, what, uh, do you know what university this was? No, no. I mean, I could find it. I, I just. Okay. All right. So let's say this is not, let's just say this is not, uh, NHBCU. And for those who don't know what that is, that's a historically black college and university. Let's say this is something like the university of Iowa or Ohio or the university of Michigan, just whatever. Um, most of those colleges are PWIs, and uh, and for those who don't know what that what that means, is that that is predominantly white institution. And so, when you are a black person in those uh, in those um, colleges, it's very imperative for you to have a space to uh, to where you can sort of uh, congregate with with people that look like you, with people that think like you, you know, because, um, I'll use this as a, as an example, Blake. So I live in San Francisco, San Francisco is four percent, is maybe 4% black folks, right? That's an extremely low number. Like that's darn near microscopic. Hmm. And so it, it is important for us to sort of band together. I mean, I don't want to say it like it's a survivalist thing, but when you when you are surrounded by people that don't look like you that people that don't under, un, understand you people that don't come from where you come from that can be mentally tra- uh, challenging for you so i don't see a problem with uh with people wanting to you know or you know organize student unions uh, uh among um, among themselves like I think that it's very healthy, especially when you are, when, when you're of a, a super, min, super minority there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that, that, you know, we like, we're, we're segregated. Like, you know, we're not sort of forced segregated, but there's places where I can't afford to go. There's places where I would not feel safe to go. And because some of us, you know, want to sort of lend support to one another. Now it's a problem. And I'm just like, well, that's kind of, that's kind of hypocritical because if we didn't live in a place where there was so much racism, then we would, then we would hate it. Like I can't imagine what today's college student goes through that go, that goes to those colleges. I mean, I I don't, I don't like to use the, uh, the term microaggressions like, but 
just so many little different things that that impact them every single day that you know i mean i i mean i've read i've read and i've heard so many stories and and it's just like well you know no no stuff like that's why that's why they want to see comfort uh amongst each other I'm, i mean would we have the same reaction if there were if there was a predominantly women's group and if and if there were just men kind of coming in and and the woman says oh hold, hold up there's too many there's too many men here <laughs> well i think i think maybe the drama had centered around that and maybe maybe it's how we name things but it being a multicultural center i guess right. people i guess people had um maybe viewed the institution a little differently and that's why because there's been a pretty lot there's been a pretty loud uh reaction to the story and this was by the way this is the university of virginia and oh, uh oh, oh okay and so I, I think i think maybe the perspective was well it's a multicultural center does that mean does that actually mean it's a non-white center does that actually mean and like figuring out that clarity i think is what and, and really even like this conversation I, I actually almost even wonder if like and it's nothing nothing uh really insightful about the story in particular but it feels like there's some really important conversations to be had about race. But then there's these also these moments where it's, it's hard to know how to react. You know, what do right. I take from this to really like better myself, better society? Um, you know, it, it it's, and it, you know, I, I mean, well, go ahead. Well, you know, like race is all, you know, like for me, like race is always a, for many, for many folks, race is always a, a really tough, subject to talk about because the thing about it is like you know, I always say this and I talk from a binary of black and white because I'm because I'm black and that I don't know what it's like to be an Asian person to be Latino so I I, I don't want to speak for them so I'll say that when the racial conversation comes about there's two there's there's two things black people don't want to say anything that makes them look angry right they mm. you know they don't want yeah. to be the the abuse yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, and then, and then, white people are afraid to say the wrong to say the wrong thing. So <laughs> yeah, it's totally. so it's so yeah. So it's like we're it's like we're kind of at this impasse where it's like okay, well, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, right? Yeah. Well, and and you know, man, I, I think that's probably kind of like the value of, and and frankly, this doesn't really come from the top in our country, but the value of just open dialogue and open conversation, like if people can become more, uh, more receptive to new perspectives right. and, and it's, you know, it's a great way to think of it is like my cousin, he and I could not, we could not have any more different perspectives on like our country and politics. But every time I see him at like Thanksgiving or the holidays or whatever, we always just have a great conversation. It's like, well, what do you think about this? Why, you know, Right. Why, why do people say this? You know, and so it's almost like we've lost our ability to have an open dialogue and an open discussion. And it's like because of that, when someone says a perspective that's different from what we think, you know, again, we just we just assign them to a side and then we dismiss them. Like, oh, well, can't talk about that. So, right. Absolutely, man. I mean, like. You should, you know, here's, you know, here's the thing. Like I, um, I love to talk to people and, you know, one of the things that I've learned and that one of the, um, one of the major failings that we have whenever we talk to people is that we, 
we talk to respond and not to listen. So when we're talking to somebody, and if we're really not listening to them, we already have a response loaded up, ready to go, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're not really just so we're not really just kind of taking in what what they're saying. We're we're just kind of just ready for ready for them to just stop. Then we're then we're just going to jump and just you know start kind of refuting what the what what they're saying, trying to uh, trying to make their point look look bad. But um, I think that you know we learn by listening and you can't listen and talk at the same time. I mean, you know, not fully. So this is like the conversation we're having right now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really listening to everything that you, that you say, because I, because I love dialogue and because I think dialogue is very, very important, you know? And so when you listen to what someone has to say, then, you know, your, then, then your response could be different. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and I, and I, I wish that was modeled a little bit more uh, politically in our country. I think we'd all be much better off. Um, so what's, what's top of mind for you right now in terms of like what you're working on, what you're writing? Are there any, uh, right. you, you've named some really great articles and I, we, we're running out of time. I really wanted to, um, sure, yeah. you know, you asked, you, I just saw a video yesterday uh, about Terry Crews being sexually uh, harassed and uh, the video was basically saying, you know, come on, Terry, like you're a large black man. There's no way that you could have been sexually harassed. And, um, you know, it was a pretty, man. it was pretty frustrating video to watch, honestly, but listening to you Very talk has just reminded me of that story. Um, so I, we could only park there for a second and then I want to talk about sure, what sure, else sure. you're working on and then we'll yeah. wrap up and be done. Uh, you know, I'll, um, I'll say as far as, as far as the Terry Cruz situation, Blake, there, there, there's a lot of parts to that story. And I just, and this is all that I'll say. You never know what, what you'll do until you're in that, until you're in that situation. Like, you know, we can all armchair quarterback about this. Well, <laughs> well, I, well, I would have did this, but that, but, but that man was in shock. He's around. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't blame Terry, Terry Cruz for the way that he reacted. And um, and that's all that I'll and that's all that I'll say about that. Yeah. Um, he, regarding. Go ahead. Oh, 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 oh I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, so so regarding the the, the things that things that I'm working on right now, I've got a, um, I've got a couple uh, pieces that I'm uh, that I'm waiting to be published that I'm that I'm going to start working. Like the cool thing about this year, uh, uh, Blake, is that like you know it's like top heavy busy. Like I'm I'm actually. Um, developing some a, a few more talks that i want to do I, i'm developing a, a talk on the power of telling your story you know i, I think that everyone has a, has a story to share and you know one of my responsibilities of, of being a writer is to encourage other people to write and so i think that many of us we are not confident because you know, we don't think that we can write like, uh, say Shakespeare. Well, first off, Shakespeare is the greatest writer to ever live. Like <laughs> he's so far from every from everybody. You know, I mean, you don't have to write like Twain, another phenomenal writer. You you don't have to write like Terry, like so like Toni Morrison. Just just write. You know, you know, what I mean, it's it's uh, paralysis by analysis. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if you really if you truly think that you don't know how to write, take a writing class. I think that we all need to tell our story because when we do that, that shapes the narrative better. You know, you just can't have just one type of folks just telling 
you know, what they're going through. I mean, I mean like I, I've been very critical of movies like Little Women, Lady Bird, and, and those, those films because, because I'm like, look, there's got to be a story of a young white girl out here who doesn't come from privilege or Mm. Or who, or who doesn't come from the suburbs? Who's really out here grinding? You know, I one mm. of my favorite films of all time is uh, is Winter's Bone. Mm. If you uh, if if you've not seen it, it's 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 with Jennifer Lawrence. It's it's unreal, and it was a different story, and it was about a young lady who's from the Ozarks and who's trying to support her family. And I'm like, well, this is this is real. So that kind of story needs needs to be told. There. Look, we we need a more fuller narrative of life. Because, <laughs> that's true. Because yeah, I'm just I'm, you, you, like you know every you know everybody's not rich and everybody's not poor, mm-hmm. you know and 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 everyone doesn't want to go to a university. Every everyone doesn't have you know poor family members or or you know every or you know everyone doesn't um, want to uh, you know be an entrepreneur. I mean you know. I'm like honestly, uh, like man, I'm so just thirsty for just like new, uh, for like new viewpoints. So mm-hmm. that's so that's the talk that I'm developing. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. Now, for the listeners, what what's like the one thing you want them to go do after this episode? Uh, well, in terms of you your know, content, yeah, no, I would definitely like 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 them to go to uh, my website. It's uh, com. <clears throat> you know, I if I. It has a lot of my writing. It, it has a lot of my uh, talks. And, uh, you know, um, you can also hit me on Twitter at Mainline Laron. I'm on LinkedIn, Laron L. Barton. Uh, I'm on Instagram if you want to see me trying out new foods. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, no, like, um, I'm just, you know, I'm just out there. And um, I I love a good conversation. You know, we don't have to uh, agree on, uh, on everything as long as there's respect mm-hmm. and as long as there's no gaslighting and there's just yeah 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 as long as we as long as we could just talk like two like two normal human beings I'm I'm 100% for it yeah well and I think this conversation is a great example I mean we we I feel fuller having listened to you and and having a conversation you. with you and it's been great man I appreciate you coming on today yeah hey hey Blake man like this is uh this has been a great conversation man I just I I appreciate you know the trans the transparency I just it was just like just two guys just, you know, kind of shooting the, shooting the, you know what. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for keeping my show G rated, by the way. Not everyone, not everyone does that. So, <laughs> and, you know, and you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, for the listeners, thanks for checking out the episode. I will make sure I put Laurent's website in the episode description down below. Hey, if this is your first time listening to the show, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so you can keep getting good advice content straight to your phone. And also, if you love this episode, which totally you should have, it was a great one, you got to leave the show a five-star review. Stay tuned. We'll catch you later. Have a great week.